a lone man with a chainsaw followed my family through the woods. And I'm not talking about Texas Chainsaw Massacre. This was real. So, my family and I went on a trip to the Hocking Hills area of... Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Southern Ohio a few weeks ago. There was a place that I always wanted to visit, the abandoned ghost town Moonville Rail Tunnel. I have never been to this area, so I didn't know what to expect but I did know it was pretty deep in the woods. We took a trip from our rented cabin using Google for GPS to the location. We start driving and it's, for lack of better words, real impoverished where we are driving slash hills have eyes-esque. We literally only see a few cars on the way there and are on back roads. We get to a point where we need to enter into a forest and we are close to the tunnel. There was a sign that said we were entering Bubblewood. For a little additional information, I drive a Mercedes that I am just lucky to have. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I have my husband in the car, a black man with dreadlocks, my 10-year-old non-verbal autistic son and my 6-year-old daughter. We drive down this real creepy stone road into the forest and there is nothing back there, no houses, no cars, nobody. We see signs that we are close and pull in the parking lot. There is a footbridge with a ton of on it that people put there. We walk over the footbridge and make our way toward the tunnel, which is a lot larger than I expected. We hear this sound coming from the other side of the tunnel that goes into the woods away from the parking lot. A truck comes driving through the tunnel toward us while we are on foot. He gets out of his truck with a chainsaw and it's a white guy in his 60s. He walks with my entire family everywhere we go and through the tunnel. I tried to make small talk with him and pull some info about if he worked for the Department of Natural Resources, etc. He really wasn't budging. We turn around to walk out of the tunnel and he starts using a chainsaw behind us and the sound is just echoing through this tunnel. At this point, we have no cell phone service and literally no one knows my family is out there except us. I was already worried my car was sending the wrong idea to people like we have money or something, we don't. We rush to the car to get the kids in their booster seats and this MF comes driving over the footbridge in his truck towards us in the parking lot. I honestly don't even know how his truck fit on it. He stops again and gets out of his truck and starts walking the other direction, much to our relief. About this time, I notice there are dusty handprints on my car. I asked my husband if they were his and we compared his hand and my son's and they were not a match. I don't know who could have touched the car because we were with the chainsaw man the entire time we were there. We get out of there as fast as possible. Just a few minutes later, I look in my rearview mirror and there is a bunch of dust kicked up behind us and there he is. He had to have driven pretty fast on the stone road to catch up to us like that. There is nowhere to go in this woods. The road is basically one lane and we have no cell service or GPS. Every time I think we lose him, he is there again. I am waiting for my tires to get popped or something or for this guy to ram me off the road into a ravine in the woods. Finally we get out of this woods and I turn out and he's still following. We were following printed directions to get back and I ended up making a wrong turn in the excitement. The guy in the truck was finally gone and I turned around to go back past the stone road that goes into the forest. There is one lone house near this road and there is his truck. Parked there. 
he had to have seen us drive onto this road into the woods and taken some back way to the tunnel. I don't know if he was just trying to protect the site from more graffiti or what, but he really creeped us out. It was like every scary movie trope rolled into one single event. Me and my friend, both 17, were on holiday at a resort in Norwich which was situated in a pretty large forest slash deep woods. I had been there once before about 5 or so years ago and on that trip I discovered a small dirt path that led into an uninhabited part of the woods. I was too scared to go very far down it when I first discovered it and sort of forgot about it. Fast forward to about 3 days ago and me and my friend are bored and have like an hour to kill. It's about 9 at this point and I decide that it would be fun to go on an evening cycle in the woods. My friend is a very skeptical and logical person who isn't a fan of taking risks so she needed some convincing but eventually we went. The path took us deep into the forest, so far that we could no longer see any of the lights from the houses around us. It also bordered some kind of field however this field was blocked off by a tall metal fence that was topped with barbed wire. We decided to turn back after about 30 minutes of cycling because it was getting dark and we had no torches. When we returned we were buzzing and decided we had to do that again but next time explore more of the path. Two days later we decide it's a good time to explore more of the path. The sun is beginning to set and it seems like the perfect time to set off. We begin cycling however this time things feel different. My friend is getting quite antsy the further down the path we go and even I begin to get a bit freaked out. Something feels wrong but we decide to carry on. Eventually, we come to an unexplored area, by this point night has fallen and it is pitch black, and come across some kind of wooden electricity box. We stare at it for a second, I try to see what's inside but decide it's futile and we carry on. As soon as we pass that box the off feeling becomes much worse and I come to a stop. I ask my friend if we should play some music from a well-known TV show that we both like, as the soundtrack would match the vibe of biking through unknown woods at night, you can probably guess what TV show it is but anyways, she says yes so I begin trying to get the music up on my Spotify. I had no signal but that shouldn't have been an issue since I had the album downloaded but it just wouldn't load. I was very absorbed in trying to get it to work but after a minute my friend says in a nervous voice is that coming from your phone? Confused, I go silent and then I hear it too. I can very faintly hear a song playing. The song is one that recently blew up because it was used in the TV show and not only that, but the part that is playing is the chorus, which is not at the start of the song. Me and my friend both check our phones but neither are playing anything. We both then book it back on our bikes. When we reach the edge of the woods we both feel the bad vibes wash away instantly. When we got home, we both immediately checked any possible way the music came from our phones. We both asked our Cerise to play that album but they both say I need you to give me access your Spotify or something like that. We also checked multiple other things but nothing gave us an answer. We were both thoroughly freaked out especially my friend who is a skeptic and always disprove the many ghost stories and horror movies I'd tell her about, I'm a big horror fan. 
We went back to the path the next day and even went back to the exact spot and the vibes were completely gone and we could find no trace that any other person had been there. Also, some additional information, it was about 9.30ish when we heard the music. It was completely dark out so if someone was there we wouldn't have been able to see them however we would have heard footsteps. The resort itself is close to an RAF base of some kind. The music itself sounded quite reverby and stopped pretty much as soon as we began booking it back, I think. If anyone has any kind of explanation, scientific or paranormal that would be awesome. We looked into folklore act but couldn't find any explanation of what it could be. Admittedly, I was a foolish and immature teenage girl when I graduated high school 23 years ago. While others were focused on securing military futures and or furthering their education, I was really only looking forward to moving out of my parents' home and moving in with my high school sweetheart. It would end up being a huge mistake that I regret to this day, but I digress. For the sake of anonymity, we'll call him Jack. Though we lived in different towns and attended different schools, Jack and I had been dating a few years prior to graduation. When we weren't in school, we were inseparable, so it was no surprise to anyone when we started looking for a place to rent and move in together. What did come as a surprise, however, was Jack's suggestion to share a place with two of his friends so that we could all split the bills. It wasn't quite what I had in mind, but I was familiar with both of them and eventually, against my better judgment, agreed to having roommates. The four of us soon moved into the upstairs apartment of an old two-story house in a seedy neighborhood. Of course, it wasn't long before shit hit the fan, as neither of the roommates consistently paid their share of the rent, and the place was overrun by people who didn't live there. The constant drug use, fighting, property damage, kicking out random people sleeping on the couch, etc. It was pure chaos, and I was just an outcast, living somewhere I clearly didn't belong. But the worst part of it all for me was that Jack and I had grown apart. It was as if I never really knew Jack at all. No pun intended. Living in a house full of potheads and drug addicts for several months made me hate drugs, and even weed to be honest, yet I continued to smoke it myself in an attempt to find some semblance of peace and happiness. My own friends would visit often, which also helped me to cope with the hell I was living to some extent. But still, any time I had a reason to get out of that house, I did. And so was the case on Halloween night of that year. My friend, Steph, not her real name, had stopped by to hang out, and we both smoked for a bit before getting the munchies and realizing it was Halloween. Being that there was never any food in the house, because someone would always steal it, we quickly recognized the solution to our problem and set out on foot to relive our youth and score some free chocolate bars. Now, I know what you might be thinking. Yes. We were too old for trick or treating. Yes. We should have been ashamed of ourselves for taking candy that was meant for little kids. Yes. We were selfish and immature. No. We didn't care. We were just hungry. The timing was perfect, as people had just started filing down the streets with kids in goofy costumes racing from door to door. Steph and I weren't wearing costumes because, well, we were bums. 
And that's the answer we gave every time we knocked on a door and they asked. I'm sure the ones who didn't question us had already figured that out when they saw the used wrinkly Walmart bags we held open for candy though. Having satisfied our munchies while eating candy along our little adventure, we decided to keep walking and knocking as long as we could to increase our future candy stash. It wasn't until the streets were silent and empty, with nearly every porch light turned off, before we finally called it quits and began our long trek back to the apartment in the dark. The mood soon changed on the walk back, though. Up to that point, it had been a fun and memorable night, but for some reason, neither of us could shake this awful feeling of impending doom, as if we were about to star in our own real-life horror movie. From a rational perspective, this fear was simply due to walking in the dark on Halloween, but the fact that we never told anyone where we were going or what we were doing stuck in our minds. We weren't even sure if anyone knew that we left the apartment. Not that any of them would have cared. But the mere thought of nobody having a shred of information to share if we went missing somehow, was suddenly quite unsettling. The night air grew colder by the time we finally found ourselves speeding down the hilly block of houses that led to my apartment, and we were both glad to see that the porch light in front of my door was still on. We slowed our pace toward the bottom of the hill, and as we crossed the street toward the sidewalk, our fears soon became reality. From behind a vehicle parked in our neighbor's driveway, a very tall man quietly stepped out of the darkness. As silly as it sounds, he was wearing what appeared to be a large hairy werewolf mask draped over his entire head, paired with Freddy Krueger gloves on his hands. He stared intently, gently tapping the long spiky claws of one glove against his chest, as he rounded the bumper of the vehicle before slowly moving toward us with each step. It was actually quite terrifying at first, but I quickly assumed that it must have been someone we knew from the apartment trying to scare us. So, brave little me started laughing and mocking his stupid outfit. What the man did next though chilled me to my core. Still silent, he stopped moving, cocked his head to one side, and lowered his hand from his chest. Then, he suddenly started speed walking right toward us. A second wave of fear coursed through my veins, as Steph and I instantly bolted across the sidewalk toward the front door. Steph made it through the threshold first, and I leapt inside soon after, quickly turning to slam the door and lock it. I saw the wolf mask facing me immediately behind the door as I did so, and just as I locked the deadbolt, he tried turning the handle from the other side of the door to get in. We were merely a split second away from whatever that was. Steph and I collapsed on the floor trying to catch our breath, as we heard him scratching at the door with his claws. Someone eventually looked down the stairwell to see what the commotion was about, but by that time the scratching ceased. As we made our way upstairs to see who was, and who wasn't, in the apartment, I was shocked to see a room full of people that included both of the guys I suspected of pulling the prank, as they were similar in height and build to the man outside. One of the guys did go outside to see who might be trying to get in, but the man was long gone. Everyone in the apartment denied having anything to do with it, and they all could have cared less, including Jack, so it really didn't seem like they were behind it. The only other possibility that crossed my mind was the guy who lived below us with his wife and baby on the first floor, 
But what I later asked his wife about it, she told me it couldn't have been him because they were all inside that night, and they didn't have any company. Steph and I never did learn the true identity of the Wolfman, and we will never know what his true intentions were that night. Perhaps it was a well-orchestrated prank by someone we knew? Or maybe it was simply a prank by a random stranger? I prefer to think of it as a prank either way, because regardless of who was behind the mask, the thought of this being anything other than a prank is very disturbing. As for Jack, our relationship finally ended when I left him. After I moved out, he kicked his friends out of the apartment for not paying rent, and he was stuck cleaning up the mess they left behind. Great time to man up, Jack. To anyone who made it this far. Trust your instincts. Stay smart, stay safe, and stay sane out there. Last year around this time, June 28, 2021, my friend, we will call her D, my other friend, calling him Jay and I all went on a camping trip, it was deep in the woods in Alberta, Canada. The trip was going good. It was in the middle of nowhere. No cell service, no bars, nothing. But we pained, listened to music and all that jazz. One day, D and Jay were both sleeping in the tent, it was 2 p.m., and I was sitting alone outside. I start hearing this screaming. John, John, help me. John, where are you? And that repeated four times, the same way, same spacing. I'm not going to die in the woods, so I didn't check it out. I stayed where I sat. When the other two got up I explained what I heard. Me and Dee went to the river that was close by, leaving Jay alone at the tent. We came back 40 minutes later and Jay is shitting his pants. He explained that he heard the exact same thing as me. Including how the pauses were, I explained the pauses when I told them both about the screaming. A few months later me and Jay went back there, but the two of us. On the last day, me and Jay had this gut feeling, that we were going to die if we stayed there last night. It was one of the gut feelings that you trust. And I know it wasn't anxiety, this feeling was literal terror. And, we're going back there with D in a few days. Last weekend, my boyfriend went up on a two-mile hike into a small creek to fish in North Carolina. On his way up the mountain, he kept thinking that he saw things in his peripheral vision, looking backwards to see shadowy dark crags and rocks or a shadow falling along the tree bark. The mountain air was crisp and refreshing, at an altitude of over 2,000 feet, yet whenever he felt this weird presence, he described smelling something like a propane tank up to his nostrils, sulfur and damp stickiness. There was no explanation or reason to smell that in this place, he had visited many times before and never smelled this in the area. The whole way up, the unsettling feeling of being watched maintained and he just kept chanting God is with me I will fear no evil. He swore to me that he felt like something was following him all the way up, maybe too scared to get close, and that he now thought he knew what a demon smelled like. He made it to his fishing spot and returning down the mountain, again saw the unmistakable shadowy movement out of the corner of his eye blend back into the trees behind him. Has anyone ever been alone in the woods and smelt that same smell or felt any kind of presence like this? 
I know that there is a lot of folklore around the Appalachian Mountains about haints and things of that sort. I think he wants to figure out what it means and know if he's alone in this experience. The place was called Panther Town Creek. I'm typing this just as I got home and I'm getting more creeped out the more I think about this. So me and two friends were in the deep woods at a sort of park just outside of town. There's a cool scrapyard with a bunch of old quarry equipment that we were checking out, and by the time we're about to leave it's gone from dusk to dark. We use the flashlights on our phone to navigate out of the scrapyard until we get to the trail. Getting ready for a 10 minutes walk out, we decide to cut the lights and see if our eyes will adjust. This scrapyard's in an open part of the woods, and we were just going back into the tree line on the trail when I heard a stick crack and leaves rustling right to our left, about five feet in front of us right off the trail. Not knowing what this was, I stopped walking for a second to make sure I wasn't just hearing things. I couldn't really see anything but as I was pulling out my phone to turn on the flashlight, this weird, deep but loud growl came from right in front of us. Right away we all just sprinted away and back towards the scrapyard. We decided to go through the scrapyard and onto the trail on the other side that led right out to the road, but a 15 minutes walk away from the parking lot where my car was. When we got back to my car, there was a police car parked in front of me, blocking my car off. We saw the cop at the entrance to the trails with a flashlight on, and waited for her to come to us. She asked us if we had seen a person in the woods, and described him as 5FT7, wearing all black with long blonde hair. We asked her if he was missing, and she said no he's not a missing person but they're looking for him. We told her we hadn't, and she took our names and we left. Upon leaving, we saw a total of 11 cop cars spread out, some together along this road beside the woods. I originally thought that we encountered a black bear, However my friend who was with us hunts a lot and said it definitely wasn't a bear, and in fact he had never heard an animal make a growl like that before and I have to admit, neither have I. The growl sounded weirdly human, almost too perfectly scary. Plus if it was a bear, by running away we would have been mauled. I'm really confused and honestly creeped out, we've looked at several videos of different animals growling, but Therese not too many where I live. Was it the guy the police were looking for? Was he insane or something? If it was this guy who growled at us, why? We are going back to the spot tomorrow, this time with some bear mace and knives etc just in case to see if we can find any bear paw prints anywhere around. Sunday, my best friend, my boyfriend and I went camping about 20 miles from where I live. We got there around noon and set up a spot, my boyfriend and I to sleep in a tent and my best friend in the car. We were having a wonderful day and a good time, drinking and smoking weed and eating lots of good snacks and dicking around. It got dark and super cold so we went in the car to warm up for a bit and listen to some music. My boyfriend had lots of Jameson and some beers and really wanted to take the flashlight and explore the small mountain next to our site. This is in Utah so it's a pretty deserty climate with some greenery, I'm an anxious person and even more so when I'm inebriated so I'm panicking a bit but he assures me a quick walk and we had service so I knew I could call or text him. 
He comes back after about 20 minutes. We go into the tent and he said shit didn't feel right. I asked him what he meant, and he said he wasn't alone out there. Now, he's had a slew of supernatural experiences throughout his life so it's not uncommon to hear these things from him. He said we were okay, because he talked to him. He just kept repeating if we respect his lands, he'll respect us. There's so much more to this world and this life than just us. But we're safe. If we respect this land, they will respect us. He basically reiterated this same point in different ways. Then he would smile, trying to assure me everything's fine. I told him he's scaring me, because I do believe him. But because he was also drunk, it seemed like he was almost in a dreamlike state. We laid down to get warm but it was too cold. I started hearing footsteps and scratching around the tent but nothing was there. After a few minutes my anxiety got the best of me and we packed up and went home. I'm not even sure how much he remembers and I'm too afraid to ask. One fourth of July weekend in 2011, a buddy of mine that I'll refer to as Todd, ended up in a pretty precarious situation. What follows is the story as he told it to me. It was supposed to be a fun weekend up the hill and in the woods at Todd's friend Troy's cabin. Troy was to introduce Todd to a girl he had also invited over, so naturally, Todd was looking forward to some devious fun for the holiday weekend. As luck had it, Todd and his new date clicked and soon found themselves downstairs for some alone time fun. Shortly after Todd and his date disappeared downstairs, Troy decided to go out for a little while. A little while later, as Todd and his date were getting into it, Troy returned to his cabin with some company. Upon hearing foreign voices upstairs, Todd went upstairs to see who was there. To Todd's dismay, he found that Troy had brought home someone that he disliked. A guy named Ace for the sake of this story. Seeing Ace, Todd got angry and an argument ensued between Todd and Troy, while poor Ace stood awkwardly near the doorway. Cue Troy's girlfriend entering only to stand next to Ace with a bewildered expression on her face. Todd had rushed upstairs in his boxers at first, thinking that it was just guys that had arrived initially, so he and Troy quickly went downstairs to argue further. As Todd and Troy's argument diminished, Troy decided that he, his girlfriend and Ace would go night swimming at a nearby creek for a while to cool off. For whatever reason, Troy threw on Todd's shorts to swim in which had Todd's keys, wallet and smokes in the pockets. Troy and his company had already been gone for a few minutes before Todd realized what had happened. So, Todd and his date continued on downstairs until Troy, Ace and Troy's girlfriend returned to the cabin. Right as Todd heard them returning though, he went upstairs to confront Troy, fuming. Todd demanded his shorts back while yelling about his stuff in the pockets during Troy's swim. As the two argued back and forth for a while, Troy's girlfriend, Todd's date and Ace tried to pretty much blend with the wallpaper. As Todd demanded that Troy take his shorts off then and there, Troy informed him that he would not be stripping down in front of everyone. That was when Ace cut in to have Troy's back, making the argument even worse. But Ace knew that Todd had quite a reputation for fighting and not losing, so in order to sort of prove himself to Troy, he jumped right into that argument. After a little more arguing, Troy and his girlfriend left again in Todd's shorts. 
Ace stayed behind though, for some reason, maybe because Troy had left without his backpack full of his personal and important items. Eventually, Todd and his date went back downstairs to go back at it. Ace of course, stayed upstairs and kept company with Todd's pitbull. They all expected Troy and his girlfriend to return that night, at least for his backpack. But, when everyone woke up the next morning, they realized that Troy and his girlfriend had not returned to the cabin. Everyone was puzzled as to what Troy was up to, but since Troy had left his cell phone in his backpack, they all just hung around the cabin and waited for Troy. The second night came and went with no word from Troy or his girlfriend. It wasn't until they got up on the third day with still no Troy, that they finally really started to worry. Alarm bells were definitely going off for the trio. Todd decided to try and call Troy's girlfriend again, like he had the previous day when her phone seemed to be switched off. That day it finally rang and she picked up. Fear crept into her voice when she realized that Troy wasn't back at the cabin like she assumed he would have been. So, her and Todd agreed to start calling around to see if they could track down Troy. But no one had heard from Troy at all. Next, a panicking Todd called a few friends up to the isolated cabin to help search the nearby woods for Troy. Not a single trace of Troy was found. It was Todd who made the decision to call Troy's girlfriend and have her report Troy missing. She did just that, but when asked of Troy's last known whereabouts, she gave them the honest answer. She told them that Troy was last seen at his cabin having a heated argument with Todd. The problem with that was that Todd had a pretty well-known reputation for fighting and not generally losing. At this point in which the following events took place, Troy had been missing for three days, so he was declared lost at that point. Apparently, the cops decided they should take it seriously. The following morning, Todd, his date and Ace were fast asleep, only to be startled awake to the sounds of both the front door being kicked in and people running around on the roof. The SWAT team flooded in, subduing the trio inside. At one point, one of the SWAT officers said I will shoot you and I will shoot that dog. Upon hearing that, Ace suddenly popped his face up from off the floor and exclaimed why are you going to shoot the dog? Don't shoot the dog. Of course, the dog did not get hurt at all. What came next was the trio getting questioned by a couple of detectives portraying in the usual good cop, bad cop scenario. Unfortunately for Todd though, he was the last person seen with Troy and they were arguing. Couple that with Todd's reputation for fighting and well that made Todd the number one and only suspect in Troy's disappearance. It also didn't help that the detectives had found some clothing left by the hot tub and some of the clothing had drops of blood on it, though Todd insisted that he didn't even know whose clothes they were. Search and rescue came in next to comb the surrounding woods for clues to Troy's whereabouts. They searched for hours while Todd, Ace and Todd's date were still being questioned, but they focused mainly on Todd. After a couple of hours of interrogation, Todd finally got irritated and insisted that since Troy had been missing for three days at that point, he could either be dead or alive, but they should be focusing their efforts on finding Troy. Oblivious to Todd and company, was the fact that search and rescue had located Troy, deep in the woods and hours away from his cabin. Troy was found passed out on a large rock, naked and just hours away from his demise. The next thing that Todd, 
His date, Ace and the detectives heard was the sound of the search and rescue helicopters chopper blades cutting through the air and getting closer to the cabin. As they peered out the door, they seen the approaching chopper with Troy suspended in a blue diaper-like thing from it. The chopper was looking for a safe place to lower Troy enough for emergency ground personnel to be able to reach him. As the smoke was still clearing on the whole situation a couple of days later, Todd was informed about the facts that led up to Troy's disappearance. Apparently, Troy and his girlfriend left the cabin on the night he vanished to simply cool off after the argument with a nice walk in the woods that surrounded the cabin. But, right before they left for that walk, Troy's girlfriend had stolen his debit card. Shortly after setting out on their walk, Troy and his girlfriend got into an argument themselves. They got separated after that and Troy's girlfriend ended up walking herself back to the main road, where she'd called a ride, leaving Troy in the woods and assuming he'd find his way back to the cabin. So basically, Troy's girlfriend turned her phone off for the next couple days in order to avoid Troy's angry phone calls about his debit card while she partied the whole time. When she did finally turn her phone back on, she received Todd's concerned call about Troy. She was shocked to learn that Troy had been missing for the last couple of days. Troy ended up being relatively okay, considering his circumstances. Todd ended up moving out of state shortly after which pretty much dissolved the friendship. As far as Ace, Todd's date and Troy's girlfriend. Well they're in the wind I guess you could say. I'm almost positive though, that none of the people involved in this story will ever be able to forget the events that took place over those fateful three days at that cabin. When I was in high school I always was walking around my town after at night whether it be with friends or by myself, and was supposed to be home around 9. I lived in a pretty small neighborhood where there was often a lot of sketchy people walking around at night, so I never took the same route home at the end of the night. One night when I was 14 I was walking past this old historical building that used to be a hotel and is just kinda creepy. As I was Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Walking, I got a phone call from an unknown number. My friends and I were always prank calling each other, so I answered it. The voice was really deep and honestly scared me because it didn't sound like anything my friends could try to mimic. But I figured it was a prank, so I was looking around as they're saying creepy stuff like I'm right behind you, I'm watching you. There was literally no one there. The cars were all just the ones that were always there from the few people that lived on the street, and it was a very open street with not a lot of places to hide behind that anyone could have been watching me without me seeing them. I hung up and kept walking thinking it was one of my friends when I got another call, just like before a weird voice but this time was laughing. I was trying to figure out who it was but I got annoyed so I hung up again thinking one of my friends would own up later. Then my phone rang again. But when I went to answer it, my phone wasn't ringing and it sounded like it was actually coming from the bush next to me which was too small for someone to be hiding in. I didn't have one of the regular iPhone ringtones it was a specific one I had bought so I knew it was mine. I booked it and ran home. I texted all my friends telling them whoever it was it wasn't funny. None of them owned up to it, and when I thought about it, I never took the same way home or even went home at the same time so no one could have planned that and with the ringtone and everything none of it made sense. To this day I don't know what it was but any time I'm home and I drive past that building I think of it. Anyone have any thoughts on what that could have been? I'll start by saying English isn't by first language, not even my second. So apologies for any grammar mistakes. This happened five years ago, when I was 19. I was studying in a college town and sharing an apartment with Emma. Emma was a year older than me and even though we didn't know each other before becoming flatmates, we quickly became friends. One day she told me she had to go to the art school where she was studying to bring home some pieces she needed to work on. She told me she could use an extra pair of hands so I went with her. The school is located on a small square in a pedestrian zone. We went, grabbed what she needed and left. We were heading out of the square and towards our apartment, distracted by the conversation, when Emma taps my shoulder. I look at her and she points to our right, there's a man there, he's recording you. I turn my head and there he is, a man in his 40s pointing at us with his cell phone. He wasn't even trying to hide it. I immediately start walking in his direction and Emma follows me close behind. I know you were recording or taking pictures of us and I want you to delete it right now. He started laughing and pretending not to speak my language. Okay, no worries, I'll repeat it in English for you, delete the damn video. He laughed again and told me he wasn't doing anything wrong. I was having none of it. My blood was boiling at this point and with the rush of adrenaline I snatched the phone out of his hand. I opened the gallery and, of course, there I was. A video mostly zoomed in on my chest area, not that it matters, but I was wearing a top without a bra. I delete it, and before me appears what seems to be a similar video of other woman. Before I have time to react he snatches the phone again, looks at me with a grin on his face and tells me, don't worry, I have more women there. I was very shaken up, about to burst into tears, and decided to just turn around and walk home with my friend. In hindsight, I know this could have ended badly for me, 
He could have gotten violent when I took his phone. But part of me regrets not smashing it on the ground when I had the chance. Edit. A few months after this encounter, it made it to the news that a man had been recording women on the street of my city and uploading them to porn sites. I will always wonder if it was the same man. This happened two nights ago. I was taking my dog out to the bathroom in my backyard for the last time that night, around 1.30 am. I have a decent sized backyard, and there aren't any street lights or light pollution around, so it was basically pitch black apart from the torch on my phone. Anyway, dog goes to the bathroom and I tell her good girl, let's go inside and instantly I hear someone call you who? Out from somewhere I couldn't see. It sounded like they were just at the fence line fairly close to where I was, maybe 10 meters away. It was definitely a person, not an animal sound. They didn't scream it loud or even shout it very loudly. Just called it out sort of creepily and it was obviously directed towards me. I nearly shat my pants and my dog was super startled and started growling and barking instantly. She was looking exactly towards where it came from. Anyway I wasn't sticking around so I bolted inside with my dog and locked the doors. I just don't know who it was or why they did it. It was really late, there was no other light source and I don't know who would be wandering around in the pitch black like that. I live in a very low crime neighborhood, as in crime is basically unheard of. Now every time I take my dog out for the loo I feel like I've walked into a horror movie. Edit. Some people suggested owls, no. I know the species of owl where I live and there's very few, and they're very rare to see. None of them sound like you who in an older woman's voice. Some people suggested neighbors. I'm so close with my neighbors that I babysit their kids, look after slash feed their animals, tend to their garden if they ask etc. They would have told me if they had an old grandma that likes to walk about at night and to keep an eye out. I asked some neighbors today and no one saw slash heard slash knows anything that night. Although one neighbor said they'd check their cameras and if they see someone they'll send it to me. My primary school did proms for the seniors. The classes who are going into high school next year got to dress up all fancy and some of us, including my friend group, rented limos to drive us around for a while before the prom actually started and the younger years got to participate as well but in more casual stuff, for inclusiveness or something I don't know. The prom ended at around 10 pm ish so I went outside to go home and my sister is there to pick me up. Now this was the first time I've ever worn heels in my life and my feet were killing me so I wanted to hop in a taxi and go home instead of walking for an extra 15 to 20 minute walk. But my sister had brought our dog with her so we had to walk back. I decided to walk ahead cause I wanted to get home quickly so I could just collapse onto my bed and take off the heels. To get to my house, you could either go down the main road or go down the side roads. It takes roughly the same amount of time so because I felt like I was gonna collapse and didn't want that to happen on the main road, I went down the side roads. Okay now the actually creepy thing. The road it has two rows of houses on either side. One house had a bright red car in front of it. As I'm walking down the road about a few feet away from the red car, a guy with thinning dark hair and thin round glasses comes out his house and goes over to, 
supposedly, his car and just stands behind it. Now I'm right in front of the car on the path, he's staring right at me and opens the car boot, trunk for people who use that word, looks down and as I'm walking past him he smiles at me and whispers right by my ear it's empty. I then speed walk down the rest of the street, when I'm a good ways away from him I turn around and he still stood there, boot, trunk, open, staring and smiling at me. I now get chills every time I see a red car parked or go past me and I hate it every time I went up or down that road again. Also when this happened I was around 11 or 12 so that just makes it worse. A few years ago, I was living with my friend in a sort of crummy apartment building in a not so great town. We're both female and we're used to getting cat called and harassed, so we knew how to handle ourselves and to be aware of our surroundings. I'm a pretty approachable and friendly person and can hold a conversation with just about anyone. I've shared cigarettes with a homeless former meth addict and listened intently while he shared his entire backstory with me. I've been approached by drunk women on countless occasions who just want to talk to me about our compatible astrological signs or vent about men. My philosophy in life has always been that everyone has their own journey they're on and that we're all human so why not be nice to one another? I've been called naive because of this mindset in the past, but I know I can stand up for myself if I need to. Still, hindsight is 2020 and I wish I could have seen how naive I was when I invited the chicken guy to my stoop. My friend and I had a small concrete stoop outside of our apartment which was our safe haven away from our other abusive roommate. Just to put some distance between him and us, we would take to the stoop and light up a cigarette, if only to forget our situation for a while. On one of these outings, which were becoming more and more frequent at that point, a car yielded in front of us. The stoop faced the back parking lot of the building and people sometimes stop their cars like this to run into their nearby unit, so we didn't really pay too much attention to it. That was until he called over to us, asking to bum a cigarette. It wasn't uncommon for people to ask to bum from us when they saw us sitting outside, so there weren't really any initial red flags. The man bounced out from his SUV when we said sure. And my friend lent him a lighter as he took one of my Marlboro Golds. He thanked us profusely, took a couple drags, and told us he'd just come from a bar BQ with some family before lighting up and saying wait right here. We did as he said, a little unnerved at this point. I expected him to come back with pot or something to return the favor but, instead, he bounded back to us carrying a paper plate covered in tinfoil. He dropped the plate at our feet and, after a pause, my friend asked what is it? Open it, the man replied, gesturing. My friend looked from the plate to me and kind of chuckled. The man was looking eagerly down at us, so I made the first move and peeled back the tinfoil. I was nervous until a waft of something familiar hit my nose. It was chicken, grilled and seasoned chicken wings, and a couple of ribs. My friend and I both looked at one another, she seemed to be as relieved as I was. Go on, eat, the man encouraged dropping down to sit cross-legged in front of us. Tentatively, my friend took a chicken wing in her hands and I took a rib. The meat was actually really good and we thanked him. Without knowing it, we had just invited a conversation, and a long one at that. 
We were outside with the man for hours, talking, or rather, letting him talk, eating, and smoking. Eventually, we told him that we definitely had to go in and he took off in his SUV. Later, we joked about it, naming him the chicken guy and I chalked it up as a weird interaction with good intentions behind it. The next time we saw the chicken guy was when we were, once again, out on the stoop. This time, my friend had one of her friends over. This friend, now ex-friend, had a lot of problems and we were in the process of trying to keep him from leaving the apartment with a bottle of liquor. As if by magic, chicken guy appeared and greeted us before sitting cross-legged on the concrete slab. He soon figured out that something was going on when he saw the bottle and offered that maybe we could share the liquor there. I realized that he was trying, in his own way, to keep the friend from straying, however his attempts to ground the friend were ineffective. Eventually the situation was sorted out by my friend, who left me outside with chicken guy in order to take care of her friend. I wasn't uneasy being alone with the guy. After all, I was right outside of my unit, within range of three other people who could back me up if anything happened. I wasn't uneasy until the guy asked for my number. Before I could finish saying that I wasn't interested, he interjected. It's not like that, the guy said, I just want to hang out with you guys sometime. As friends. As nice as this guy seemed, there was no way we were all going to become friends. Throughout both encounters we'd had with him, you could tell that he was high on something other than weed and we'd only talked to him once before. I kindly rejected his request and, though he looked a little upset, he wished us well and took off. I wish that was the last encounter we had with Chicken Guy. If it had been, I could at least write the two meetings off as funny, weird stories. But we had one last meeting with him, a very creepy end to the story of Chicken Guy. It was already 1.30 am. My friend and I had been binge-watching something on Netflix and lost track of the time. We were just about to start up the next episode when we saw a shadow at the back door. Because all of our lights were on, you could just barely make out a human shape on the other side of our sliding glass door. We weren't sure who it was until we heard a now familiar voice call to us. It was Chicken Guy. I almost instinctively went to answer the door before my friend gestured for me not to. So we sat and waited for him to go away. Surely he would leave once he realized we were clearly ignoring him. Nope. The guy starts knocking, then banging on our door, calling out to us occasionally. I couldn't even say anything, and I think my friend was just as nervous as I was. We had literally only talked to this guy twice before and now he was banging on our door when most people were already asleep. Eventually, I got up all my courage and slid the door open a crack. He started asking if we had a cigarette he could bum, but I stopped him and said that we didn't smoke anymore, which was true. His face fell. I said we were going to bed soon too and pushed for him to leave. Still seeming upset, he walked away while giving a half-hearted, thanks, and I quickly closed and locked the door behind me. I know that nothing violent happened in this story. No one was hurt, robbed, cussed out. But you never know what people are capable of, and this story could have ended much worse. Our other roommate chewed us out for letting some random person chill outside of our unit, told us how stupid we were. For a while afterward, 
We each made sure not to walk through the lot alone at night. For weeks we waited for him to pop up again but, luckily, he never did. I don't think I can ever stop seeing the good in people. I may seem naive, but I've been raised to trust others and not judge a book by its cover. Still, since this situation, I've become much more cautious in my interactions with others. My advice now to others and 22-year-old me would be don't put yourself in jeopardy just because you don't want to come across as rude. The temporary backlash you might get for being rude to someone is much better than getting yourself into a bad situation with the wrong person. Be safe out there. So I remember this one time I was on the way home from football practice, it wasn't that late, maybe 7-ish, but it was winter so it was dark. Anyways, I was about 5 minutes away from home when a sketchy looking guy runs up to me, say, around 6 feet 5, big grey beard messy, and he was tall, at the time I was around 5 feet 10, female, 12, so it was a bit of a scary encounter already. When he got to me, he just yelled what day is it? I thought nothing of it and told him Thursday, as it was, I still remember this because that's my football training day. I kept walking and plugged my headphones back in, I turn around after I've crossed the last road to get me house and he still stood there, staring at me. I get to my street and hear a yell, sounded like him, I ran all the way home and never saw him again. I don't know if I should be concerned or feel lucky I didn't get kidnapped. Hi everyone, my name is Leroy. I am 19 years old and currently live in New Zealand. I am a student in this country in language study. Important thing to know, I am from New Caledonia. I live there with my parents. So to summarize the situation, this is the first time I have lived alone. I'm in an English country and I wasn't really good at English at that time. And finally, I didn't know anyone at the time of the story. So it's been about two weeks since I arrived. To describe my apartment to you, when you enter, you immediately come across the living room, the dining room and the kitchen. The living room was on the road side, so on your right, when you have your back to the front door. The wall of the living room facing the outside is a bay window. The shutters are the old type, you know the ones that go up by hand. So then when you face this window, on the right there is the door to my room. The window is on the left as you enter inside. My bed has the side sticking to the window. And finally, last thing, you see the fire escapes facing the street. When we go up the stairs we land on the balcony of my apartment. This one is therefore sticking to the glass that I described to you. So it's around 11 PM, when the story takes place. The cars have their headlights on. The lights from these are reflected on my window. Until then everything is fine. I am on my computer and I can suddenly see what is happening on my balcony. I admit that sometimes it happens to me that with the lights, I have the impression of seeing a shadow on this one. So when I see the shadow for the first time, I tell myself that it's nothing. To explain, I'm in the dark in my room, the computer on my knees and its brightness is at a minimum. Suddenly I see this shadow climbing the stairs. The first seconds, I tell myself that it's the lights. Then, 
I understand very quickly that the shadow is still there. I decide to look out the window. At that moment, I realize that there is a hooded man on my balcony. I decide to lower the brightness to the maximum. In my head, I have two choices either I react and I don't know what's going on or I wait. So I decide to wait. So the guy comes up to my window and starts knocking on the window for a minute or two. I admit that in my head the time seemed really over. So he stops and I start stressing for me he saw me and that's the end. I want to remind you that I can't really call anyone. So he finishes knocking and pulls out a can of paint. He has tagged all the windows, living room and bedroom, and is getting out. He has wrote some strange letters. They look like Viking character. I don't have cleaned them because I don't want go out. I confess that as soon as he left I stayed on my bed. I can't understand what happened. After a good five minutes, I called my mother. Since that day I haven't heard from this guy. That's all for me. When I was in university I went on a Halloween pub crawl with my friends. Like, one of the huge ones where they rent out multiple school buses. My friends in university were very much societally deemed hotter than me, one was a model before she got there, so for the first time in my life, I attempted a sexy Halloween costume. I was a witch, and I had a hip-slit long dress and fishnets. We went to some club with those multiple graded metal floors, it was like 15 years ago, I don't remember, and were already more than half cut from pre-drinking in the last three clubs. I got separated from my friends when I went to get a drink on the upper levels where the bars were less busy and on my way back down some guy dressed like Rick James asked me to dance with him. I poured my drink down my throat and decided to hit the dance floor. It went well for a while, but then he started grabbing my butt and putting me in leg humping position while clamping me in around my waist when I tried to move away. My friends, below the platform I was on at this point, were drunkenly wooing me on, so not knowing what else to do at that point, I humped the leg, bemused. While I was trying to figure out how to judo myself out of his drunken octopus grip, he screamed I'm Rick James, bitch, in my face and inserted his fingers inside of me and held me down while I tried to wriggle away. The song ended, he relaxed his grip, and I ran away and hid outside smoking until the buses were leaving and then I was so shaken up that I got on the wrong bus and ended up at the next bar with students from a university I didn't go to and had to catch up with my friends two bars later. I was too stressed out, drunk, and trying to salvage the night to tell them right then, but I told them the next day. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. Happy Halloween? Okay, so my fiancé 46 and I 29 were at a local pancake house today for lunch. Everything was normal as usual. We were greeted, had a seat and ordered. We'd been here once before about a week ago. Our waitress was kinda rude and dismissive to me and seemed extremely interested in my fiancé. I didn't think anything of it at first because my fiancé is really likable and sweet. She gets along with everyone we meet. Anyways, she came over with our order and made a comment to my fiancé about her hat, a black baseball cap with a fish hook on the brim, about how she knew it was her from her hat. 
We laughed it off. But once she walked away my fiancé was like she must have noticed me last time. And I shook my head. No, we've only ever been to this restaurant once and that woman wasn't here, nor did you wear that hat. We boxed up our food before my fiancé went out to the car while I paid. As the cashier was entering my order into their register she looked confused. She asked me who's Erica? I shrugged. She said they didn't have anyone named Erica that worked there and asked who my severer was. I told her the woman with the blonde ponytail. She looked confused and concerned before walking off to ask another employee. They agreed they had no one with that description or name that worked there. I looked around the small restaurant to point her out. You could literally see the entire restaurant from the front including the kitchen and restroom, but couldn't find her. I paid and walked out to our car and filled my fiancé in on what had just transpired. She looked concerned and said the creepy van we parked next to left before I got out here. Now we're safely at home. But I'm still a little worried as to who that woman was and why she was so interested in my fiancé. Me and my best friend were walking to the park. It was getting dark. My boyfriend wasn't far behind and was just finishing his pint at the pub. It wasn't dark when we set off but it was getting dark by the time we reached the entrance to the park. Our plan was just to sit down and chill. Anyway, we heard a voice. I didn't respond to it. But I asked Joshua are they saying my dead name? He said it sounded like Nessa. Not Vanessa. Which is weird because we may have heard two different things. Josh called me Nessa right up until I came out and he found a new nickname for me. Everyone else called me Vanessa. I was distinctly creeped out by the voice and so was Joshua we waited for my BF to arrive and sat down at the entrance to the park but didn't go in. That was enough outdoors for me. We walked Josh home then went home. What am I to make of this? Edit. I was posting something about the government and how awful what is happening is and behind me was a clapping noise. Every time I looked away from behind me it stopped. I watched behind me and it continued but I saw nothing there. It again sounded mocking like the voice in the woods. I just arrived home at around 9.30pm from a gas station and am slightly concerned about an encounter I had. Not sure if there's a better place for this but I am looking for some answers. Anyway, I go to grab a Red Bull when a guy with glasses, a backpack, and some other gear comes up to me holding his phone camera near his chest, presumably recording. He asks me if I want to make 5 bucks to which I say, no, I'm good, and try to walk away. I'm a little weirded out but think that maybe he was just making a YouTube video or something. He then says something along the lines of, I was just gonna ask you if you wanted to make 5 bucks. I live 5 minutes away if you wanna stop by. I tell him again, no, I'm good. Very strange that someone would record himself saying that late night emo. I go check out and the dude is in my peripheral. I wasn't looking back at him. But thinking about this situation now it seems like he was still recording me after our encounter ended. Any possible ideas that make this seem like a harmless encounter? Or did I manage to fumble out of a trafficking attempt?
landed in Bangalore yesterday. When coming out of the airport, there was a bit of a drizzle, the Bangalore weather that I've come to love although the last time I lived here was in 2005. I remember, even then it used to rain almost every day. Nine, I was waiting for my ride to pick me up, someone standing next to me muttered all these people, come from God knows where, and no one speaks a word of Canada. Ironically enough, the gentleman made this remark in English. I recalled something that happened in 2005, the year I left India for good, that all very vividly came back to me, on a long, bumpy taxi ride to my hotel. 2005, I lived in a small house with one bedroom on the ground floor. The floor above, the landlord, his young son, and landlord's younger brother Manju, name changed. Kanada Baruta? Can you speak Kanada? was the first question Manju asked me when I moved in. I am a computer graduate too, this was in English for my benefit I guess. I smiled my trademark migrant worker sheepish smile. Over the next few months I realized, Manju basically did not have a day job. He'd bum cigarettes off me, and would always ask me where would you guys be da, if it wasn't for Bangalore? It's another story that Manju's father lived in Bhopal for a while working in manufacturing. I had a great rapport with the landlord though, he had a bad back, and requested me to give him the spare key to my house, so that they could get the gas cylinder delivered to my place, later the domestic help would pick it up and lug it all the way to the floor above. Later in 2005, I applied for high-skilled migrant program to Europe, it involved a lot of documentation, degree certificate, bank account statements, Manju was very curious about the whole process. And I tried my best to explain how the process actually works. So, the application was successful, I quit my job, start making preparations to move. The landlord's kid was insistent that I download some Adobe Flash games for him, to play on his home computer, before I go. I copy it onto a USB drive. I give the USB drive to him, he says he doesn't know how to copy them and asks me to do it for him. The computer was in Manju's room. I stick the USB drive in. A thumbnail on the desktop catches my eye, a very familiar picture. I double click, it's the picture of my girlfriend, downloaded from Orkut I think. My Chinese wife has written over it in bold comic sans, she was actually from Nagaland, India. Also on the desktop are scanned copies of my bank account statements, degree certificate. Couple of the statements were badly edited where Manju's name was put the place where my name used to be, it would fool no one, but Manju had put his MS paint skills to the best of his abilities. I cursed myself for my carelessness having left them on my work desk, not realizing even Manju had access to the spare key to let himself in. I call my landlord and tell him what happened. He was profusely apologetic and tells me he'll set Manju straight. I have about three days before I fly away to Europe. I delete the pictures from the desktop, not satisfied, I climb down the stairs, come back, armed with a CD of Ubuntu Linux. I wipe the hard drive, and fresh install Linux on their desktop. Geek revenge, when I've less than 72 hours to spare. The night before I have to fly, I hear loud banging on the door. I open it, there's Manju and another friend of his, he eyes me with hate, 
He sees I four of my friends who've stayed over to see me off and help with the luggage. Good luck, Maga he says before he vanishes. I moved to a new city a few months ago. I've never lived in a city before so it's quite a culture shock to say the least. Right away I notice a neighbor who lives in the building across from me. He's given me the creeps since day one and I know he watches me while I lay out on my balcony, which I do nearly every day. Usually I just pretend I don't see him, as he can't do anything other than watch me. Most of the time when I'm outside, my dogs are with me as well which provides an extra sense of security. My apartment is in a relatively safe area, and I feel generally safe, other than this one man. Yesterday, I caught wind that at one point he was logged into the apartment security system and the head maintenance woman had to take him off. There's also speculation that he has set up his own cameras around the property, which would explain how he knows when I'm outside. He's tried to talk to me from his balcony and one time even approached me in the parking lot. I'm nervous hearing that he may have his own camera set up on the property even though I have no real evidence to prove that this is the case. I wouldn't put it past him. This happened around 1990, me and my aunt just came back from going out to eat. Right as we're walking we notice it got really dark and strange. By strange I mean no sound. No cars or anything. Although this moment will be stuck in my mind forever. Right as me and my aunt were walking on the sidewalk we noticed someone in the other side. It was my grandma. But weirdest part is, my grandma specifically said, she wasn't gonna come with us. This is the part that got really creepy, she yelled out our name. Me and my aunt were just paralyzed and scared. Her voice wasn't the same. It sounded a deep and ashy voice. Five seconds later she's gone. She just went out of existence. If my aunt saw it too then it must have been something. 